0: All right, I'm going to start up before I pray. I'm going to start out by saying, it's so good. It's so good. Did you practice last week's lesson? It's so good. Verbally acknowledging our wonderful Heavenly Father. It's what he said in the beginning of time. It is good. To everything he made, it is good. It is good. And then it is very good. He pronounces his goodness in the day that he made. And he says, child, this is your example. This is your example. For in your day, acknowledge me in all your ways. Bring me into your day. And we do that simply by saying the most, uh, the verse I'm going to give you in Philemon is rich. It is so good, okay? And then when we say, it's going to be good. When we get into the habit of proclaiming, it's good. It's good. He daily loadeth me with his benefits. God, thank you. It's good. Um, we should not walk through our day loaded with care, worry, offenses. But that's how we naturally walk through our day. And we get loaded down with that. And God says, here's one way for you to get rid of that load. You acknowledge me in your day just by saying, it's good. It's good, Lord. It's good that I can walk up and walk to the coffee maker. It smells so good. And, Lord, as I put my hands around it, it's going to be so good. When we say it's going to be so good, that's just a very on-purpose way of projecting our faith into the moments we don't know about. We don't know about the next moments, let alone the next day. Right, Carol? I mean, but when I say, Lord, it's going to be so good, I am projecting my faith into the next moments, trusting God that God is a good God. He makes it good. God is good. And when I say it's going to be so good, I am practically saying, God, I'm inviting you to walk with me because you're going to make it good. So, learning to say it is good, it is good, it is good about all the things he daily loads us with and verbalizing it out loud. Who's the prince and power of the air, girls? Yeah. Satan is. Let him know who is good, and let him know who is good in your life. Lord, you are good. Now, learning to say that decades ago, I had to learn to say that because I was in a time frame that I perceived as not good. Learning to state your faith over your feelings brings you into the victory side of living your faith rather than enslaved to your feelings and enslaved to the facts of life which many of them are hurtful and hard. I think of Ken, I think of Slate, I think of Carissa, I think of Carol's family. In this life, living in a sin-cursed world, we deal with responsibilities and hurts and pain physically, emotionally, spiritually. But greater is he that is in us, than he that is in the world. And when I began proclaiming in my day throughout my moments, it is good, it is good. Not only does it change my perception of my day, the Holy Spirit lives inside of me to do his change in me. He then takes the word of God and does what only he can do in it. I am proclaiming the word of God. God, it is good because you are in it and I can't wait to see what you're going to do. So learning to say it is good, this is all from last week, then learning to say it's going to be so good, that projects your faith, your walking with God into your next moments in the day, it's going to be so good. Also, when you learn to say it is good about everything, you're practicing with the good stuff, because guess what, in your day, what's going to come? It's not all going to be the good stuff, okay? Okay. There's going to be responsibilities that we live with every day that are ours to carry. There are going to be burdens that are ours to carry. There are going to be, going to be uh, people in our day that are hard to deal with. There are going to be situations that are unfair. That's this life. But it's going to be so good because that's the material God works with and God changes and miracle of miracles, he uses you and me to do that. When we project our faith into it's going to be so good. Some of the responsibilities. How many of you do stuff every day that you really don't want to do? Okay, yeah. It's it's a part of this life. Uh, in a very minimal little way, there's something I do that I do not like to do. If I could... If I could take it out of my life for the rest of my life, I'd be one happy camper. I do not like getting groceries. I do not like getting groceries. I do not like going to Aldi's and getting my bags and putting my quarter in the little slot and getting my cart and disaffecting my cart. I do not like getting Aldi's. Last week, again, it was, time, it was time for me to go, and I'd already run out of time. So then that tends to, in our mind, make the job even worse. And it makes it much easier to start griping right away. No, no, I will not because I've set a watch on. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto the O Lord. So I'm going to say it is good. It's going to be so good to go to Aldi's. Now, when I say that, when I do that, number one, I'm stating a truth that overrides my feelings. It's going to be so good. Just say it with me right now. It's going to be so good. Everything we are going to face comes from the hand of God. Um, Daniel, it's the first one. I didn't get these all written. But Daniel 2.21 says, He changeth the times and the seasons. God's in charge. He's in charge of the changes. He's in, he's, he's in charge of my seasons. He's in charge of my day. So when I state it's going to be so good, I'm saying, God, you're in charge. It's going to be so good. Now, why is it going to be so good? Because of him, not because of Kathy, and because of what he can do in Kathy. So it's going to be so good because when I go to Aldi's, there's going to be somebody who can't quite reach a, a, a jar up on a shelf, and I'm going to be there and I'm going to be able to help them. And I'm going to, I've already prayed and asked the Lord to make me salt and light. Lord, give me an opportunity. It's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. I'm going to be able to share with a cashier. I'm going to hand her a gospel track and I'm going to say, God's love is the best thing that ever happened to me. It's going to be so good. Well, I went to Aldi's. None of those things happened. And I'm putting my cart away, and I'm walking back, and all of a sudden, I hear somebody at that, what do they call that gate cart, you know? And they're just jamming, jamming the cart. And I turn around, and there's this lady. She can't get her cart in her ark. So I stopped, and I walked back. I said, let me help you. I said, this happens to me all the time. And I yank it out, and she says, yeah, and sometimes it doesn't give me back my quarter either. (laughs) And I said, you know, I've had that happen, too, where it gets jammed. And I says, you know what? Here. Here we go. Here's this. Here's the quarter. Hey, God is good. And she looked at me, and I said, and besides that, it's not raining. We've we've got a beautiful day. We've got a God-made day. And I got into the flap of my purse, which is very accessible, and I said, can I give this to you? It's about God's love. It's the best choice I made in my life to know God's love. And she looked at me, and she said, why, thank you. And I said, you know, we are so blessed by a loving God. And she turned the tract over and said, Community Baptist Church. And she's reading this. And I said, my husband pastors that church. She put that down and she said to me, you have a faithful husband. And I said, well, yes, I do. And he's a good husband. And, And we have a faithful and good God. And she says, well, you know, I'm a member of the Presbyterian Church. And I said, well, I'm happy to hear that. And I said, Knowing God's love is the most important thing, personally. And she said, I do know that. And she says, I'm 90 years old. And I said, No. (laughs) And her eyes just sparkled. She said, I'm 90 years old. I drive my own car, I get my own groceries. And, of course, she's just putting me to shame because in my flesh, I don't like going to groceries. I don't like getting in my car. I don't like that, you know. And she just exuded the blessings of her life at 90 years old. And I said, you know what? Isn't God good? And she said, he is so good. And I said, you you continue to have a good day. I walked back to my car, and I said, Lord, You are so good, you are so good, you are so good. I can't wait to go to Aldi's. It's going to be so good, okay? So all of that is in review of last week, our lesson, It's So Good. So now let's pray as we go into part two of It's So Good. Father, thank you that you are a good, loving God. Thank you for each dear lady here. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts to the good that we need individually today, for what we individually face. God, may we acknowledge you and draw you into it, and may we look forward to see what you are going to do, the good that you are going to do, and we'll praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week's lesson, we began talking about change because we are in the season of change. You know what tomorrow is? Woo! November, November. We're in the season of change. And last week we talked about all the visual ways and all the hearing ways and all the aromatic ways we are experiencing this season of change. It's beautiful. It's miraculous. Daniel 2.21, He, God, changeth the times and the seasons. And all of nature shouts, God is my maker. We listed a number of the things that are happening because we are in this autumn season. And I asked you as a class, who does that? And you answered me as a class, God does that. God does that, acknowledging him in all of the changes. Well, he puts these miraculous changes right in front of our noses for the purpose of seeing, acknowledging him. Matter of fact, I heard that we might see that tiny little fragile miracle that falls from the sky this week. It's called a snowflake. Yeah, we may see that this week. Did any of you see the northern lights last night around midnight? I didn't see them. It was too cloudy, but there are many areas in Michigan that we're going to see the spectacular. The heavens declare the glory of God. God does all that for us to see Romans 1, 20, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. He wants us to see it. He wants us to get it. But more than that, more than seeing his wonder and his beauty, he wants us to see him. So, Isaiah 45, 18. Here's a very securing verse for this week. God himself says, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens... God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it. This is Isaiah 45, 18. Now, we've got to stop right there. i got to read it again. It's so rich. Mm-hmm. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it. Now, we're going to go on in a minute, but I want you to stop right here. He formed the earth. He established it. Do you know what? That is our securing truth, Jan. He made the earth, and all of this encompass. He handmade mankind, and he establishes us. He establishes us. Now, look at at the rest of this because it's beautiful. He created it not in vain, not to be empty. Vain means empty. He created the earth not to be empty. That's how we always associate the earth. But understand, everything in God's word is meant for your heart and mind. He created you and me not to be ready empty, he formed it to be inhabited. He formed you and me to be inhabited by his spirit. That is so securing And that it ends, I am the Lord and there is none else. Going back to, you know, we live with dad said so, mom said so, the Lord, our father said so. I created you not in vain, not to live empty. I created to be the most beautiful four-letter word in our language, with. I created you to be with you. So God has a plan for our changing seasons. He has a plan for you and me in our changing seasons. And the plan is for us to know him. His plan of redemption is the biggest change this heart needs, and it's the first change. The greatest change that takes place in our life is the change that happens inside of you and me. When we receive Jesus as our Savior, he is now with me. He gives us his spirit to indwell me. I'm no longer empty. There's a lot more going on inside of me than just my heart beating and my tummy getting filled up. No, the spirit of God dwells with me, in me. Um, Hebrews thirteen five, his spirit enters and dwells in that God made place, so I will never be alone. He is always with us. Hebrews thirteen five. You and I were made with the need to be with, weren't we? Everywhere Clint goes, Bert goes with him, <laughs> since he was six months old. We have this. Need be, even before we can acknowledge what we need, we feel the need, and we live out the, <clears throat> um, we live it out in so many ways. For instance, when we were little and we set up for our tea party, girls, we never had a place setting for one, did we? Oh no, Colleen, we had a huge circle because we had to have everybody with us at our tea party. So it included every doll, every stuffed animal, every stuffed bear, every stuffed cat, because. A tea party by myself is totally insignificant. You have to be with, just like a life for itself becomes insignificant very quickly. So Revelation 3:20 says, "Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him, and he with me." Every day, the spirit of God knocks on my heart," says Kathy. Will you spend this day with me? Will you walk with me? Will you acknowledge me in all your ways? Well, sadly, we often are not looking or listening to the one we need to be, finish it, with. the need to be with. Um, I love the word with. It's, it's been one of my favorite words since I did a Bible study on it years ago but it's so associated with the institution that God set up so that we could get it. He set up the institution of marriage. That's God's way. He always gives us a physical example of what he wants us to find spiritually, literally with everything. So this need to be with. He set up the institution of marriage as an earthly oneness, to be with the one you love, for the rest of your days it's a picture of what we're to find spiritually with God I get to be with God and God with me forever over 50 years ago yes that's 5-0 Doug and I had been married all of two months and we were driving back to Maranatha Baptist Bible College that's what it was called back then and My brother lent us his car because our car wouldn't pull the tiny little U-Haul that we rented because we were finishing up Doug's senior year at college. And so we were heading back uh, to to school, pulling this little U-Haul with all of our earthly belongings. And I remember looking at Doug and thinking, wow, I get to be with him. So wondrously crazy in love, and we would look at each other, and you—you you laughed about anything because that's what happens when you're in love. Life is light when you're in love. That's how God means for us to live every day because He is with us in love. That day, driving back to Maranatha, thinking that wow. We get to spend the rest of our lives together. It, it shot out like into infinity, you know, 50 years later. It went like that. But God wants us to understand. Oh, and the love that we had back then it was beautiful. It was fun. It was crazy. It's nothing like the love we have now because we've been with each other. We've been with each other through so many things. We've been with each other, going through, dealing with. And it's so good. It's so good. We need to be with. And today we need to be with our Heavenly Father on purpose. Um, years ago, we were at Vicki's condo at Houghton Lake and Trina and Daniel, and just then it was just the two girls, um, Caitlin and Autumn. They were little. They're just two years apart. I think, you know, Kate, or Autumn probably was a baby, one, and, and, and Caitlin would have been three. And they'd been with us for a few days. They were packing up to go home. And she said, Mommy, Mommy, I need to go home. My babies are crying. <laughs> they need to be with me. I said, a three-year-old gets it. We need to get it. We need to be with our Father. Um, Yeah, due to time, I'm going to skip a big part. That Should I, should I not? I don't know. Let's see. I'm going to skip it. I'm going to skip it. Okay, Matthew 19, 26. Who do I need to be with? So first of all, recognize you need to be with him. Donna, you need to be with your Heavenly Father today. So we get that. Why do we need to be with him? I'll tell you why. Matthew 19, 26, to be with him is to be with the one with whom all things are possible. Wow. To be with the one, I get to be a partaker of his divine nature. Kathy, when you walk with me, you don't have to walk out of your old fallen nature, which is just going to create a lot of trouble and havoc and burden. But you get to walk with me and you can be a partaker of my divine nature. That's why I need to be with him. And then the most important reason I need to be with him today is he means for my faith to grow. He means for my faith to grow today. It's a tragedy when a baby doesn't grow. It's a greater tragedy when my baby faith never grows, or when I get to a plateau and I stop and I've been there for 20 years. It's a tragedy. How do we grow our faith? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) We grow our faith in the same way we grow our bodies. See, again, God gives us very physical, hands-on illustration and experiences so we will get what we're supposed to get spiritually. How do we grow our bodies, girls? We eat and we exercise. And our bodies grow. Now, some of us get the eating part way better than the exercising part, but you get the idea with me. We eat and we exercise and our bodies grow. Likewise, the feeding and exercising of my faith makes it grow. Well, how do we feed our faith? Well, I'm so glad you asked. This is the bread of life. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You're in Sunday school today because you want to feed your faith. Sunday school is a time of feeding. Mm -hmm. It's a time of tasting. It's a time of experiences. It's coming to the spiritual table and saying, God, give me inside what I really need to ingest. Give me the nourishment and the spiritual vitamins that I need for this day. Sunday school is a time of feeding. That's why you're here. God bless you. You have a hungering and a thirsting for the best. But now, exercising your faith. This is a feeding time. Church is a feeding time. Singing in the choir is a feeding time. Mm -hmm. You exercise your faith when you leave and you put into practice that which you've just fed on, that which has just been served up, God's word, God's instruction, putting that into practice. For example, exercising is putting the word that we've just feasted on into action. It's like faith and currency are a whole lot alike. Okay? Currency. Faith and currency are a whole lot alike. This $5 bill won't really do me any good until I purchase something with it. I won't even really appreciate the value of this $5 bill until I say it, spend it. In other words, Pretty soon, it's going to be very, very cold, and my hands, are, my hands are freezing right now. I mean, if I touched you, you would just leap three feet in the air, okay? My hands are always cold. This $5 bill will not make my hands warm, keep my hands warm. But I can take this $5 bill, and I can go to the dollar store, and I can buy a couple pairs of mittens with this $5 bill, and I can put them on my hands, and my hands will be warm because I've used, I've exercised my currency to do for me what needs to be done. Um, in the very same way, this $5, I can add a five to it. This $10, this $10 uh, will, not, will not take away my hunger, all right? It won't take away my hunger. But if I use this $5, these, these $10 to purchase a Wendy's chili and a loaded potato oh, I will be wondrously satisfied because I used the currency. It's exactly the same way with my faith. My faith doesn't work. It doesn't taste good because I'm not purchasing anything with it. James says at best, he said, faith without works is dead. If my faith is not working, it's it's a dead faith. I'm not using it. So... How do we exercise our faith? I can't wait to tell you because it goes right along with it's so good, it's going to be so good, and facing the things that we don't like, that that scare us, that hurt us, that harm us. There were two words I told you that you needed to add. Hi, Barb. It's good to see you. And, it's, and I'm going to tell you what those two words are. Using my faith, exercising my faith. Work your faith. God's Spirit lives inside of me to make my faith work, but I must put His word into action. So we begin by putting His word in our mouth. It's good. It's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. Oh, should I tell you the next two words? No, I'm going to tell you to turn to your Bibles to Philemon. Turn to Philemon 1, 6. Philemon spells out a beautiful way to grow our faith practically, purposefully. Every day, it's directly tied to what we're talking about. It's going to be so good. It has to do with naming, acknowledging all the benefits that God daily loads us with. Philemon 1, 6. Because, girls, you need to exercise your faith. I need a faith that works today. I need, I need to use my faith to receive its value, to know its worth. People in my world need to see an authentic working faith. You moms <clears throat> who have youngsters at home, teenagers at home, how can you effectively show them your faith? Philemon's going to tell you how. You wives, you teachers, You sisters, you grandmas, how can you effectively show your faith, persuade with your faith? Philemon 1 6. Ready? That the communication, what's that? Your words, your words, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual. In other words, I can have an effective faith by, by, wait for it, here it comes, drum roll acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Acknowledging it. It's spelled out so clearly. Kathy, is your faith working today? No, I feel kind of, you know, everything's burdened. Well, what have you been thinking on? What words are going through your mind? What have you been speaking? Have you been speaking your faith? Have you been acknowledging God? Have you been asking God to come in? When you feel like you can't go another step, have you acknowledged God? God, you promised me strength for today. I need strength for the next 10 minutes. God, you promised me that your love and your grace is sufficient. I need 10 more minutes of your grace with this person. God, I don't want to show him Kathy. I want to show him you. Speak your faith. Use your faith. Acknowledge him. Acknowledging all that is good from God moment by moment. Because he is with me throughout my moments. It's good, it's good. Projecting our faith into the next moments by saying what? It's gonna be so good. Practically acknowledging every good thing until it becomes habit. Habits are good. Good habits are even gooder. All right? Projecting, practicing, naming, labeling, it's gonna be so good, it's gonna be good with all the good things, is really easy to do. I have, I have something so good. Okay, I have something so good. My husband gets me these from Bay City Nuthouse. Actually, I have a water here. The, um, yeah, St. Saint, Saint Lorenz, okay. Yeah, okay, these are orange peels covered with dark chocolate, like really, really thick. They've been double and triple dipped. It's not a skinny layer of chocolate here. And he this is in my candy cupboard and i i allot myself one every day and i fold it up and i put it on the third shelf up there because i think i shouldn't see that every time i open it up and i say it's good it's going to be so good now something else i have here is this okay look at these green beans aren't they beautiful i didn't do these green beans but look how precisely I admired the artwork in these green beans. I mean, they are beautifully done. A friend did these for us. Now, it's not as easy for me to say it's going to be so good or it's going to be good because I can say it about this, but I'm not a big fan. I eat these because they are good. Oh, you just found the two words that need to be added on. It's so good. Say it. For me. It's so good for me. It's so good for me. So, for all the things like going to Aldi's and all the responsibilities and all the other. Learn to say, practice with the good stuff, say it out loud, let your kids hear, let them see an effect of faith that makes a difference, that improves the atmosphere, that makes them want to be like mom, because mom doesn't complain. She says it's going to be good, and even about the things that I know mom doesn't like so much, she says it's going to be good for me. Now, let me show you how, because this goes even further, which I love, because life is a lot more about green beans than it is about chocolate-covered orange peel. And then life even gets a lot more complicated than just green beans. Let's go there. Practice with the good stuff, the good benefits. But then when, but then, what do I say when I have to deal with something that I don't like, that isn't my responsibility, that somebody else should have done, but now I have to do it because they didn't do it? I learn to say, it's going to be good for me. It's going to be good for me. Now. Add to the heavy things. So many of you here have been walking through a heavy time. Learning to say, it's going to be good for me. Add this phrase to it. God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do. I am projecting my faith with my verbiage, with the word of God himself. God himself said, it is good, it is good. Child, learn it, it is good. Claim my goodness in it. And then claim it for yourself. It is good for me. And Father, I can't wait to see what you're going to do. Let let me just take a, from our own prayer list here. We've been praying for Tim. We've been praying for Tim for the last couple years with his heart condition. Fervently lifting up Tim in prayer for the last number of weeks. Praising the Lord that he is now out of ICU. It's huge. But now, guess what he's got? A lot of physical therapy, mm-hmm. a lot of it. Well, guess what? It's gonna be so good for Tim. It's gonna be so good for Diane. Physical therapy, you say, Kathy, Kathy, it's gonna hurt. hmm it's gonna hurt. It's gonna be so good. Kathy, it's gonna be so long, weeks, weeks, weeks of physical therapy. Yes, it's going to be long. The hurt of it, the length of it equates to, now understand, the strengthening of it. And the first time Tim walks to the end of his driveway to the mailbox and comes back in, and he's not winded for the rest of the day, it's going to be so good. But it comes through the dailiness, the waiting for it, the hardness of it, the pain of it. Yes, it's going to be so good for me. God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do. And God is faithful. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. God, it's going to be so good. I declare it right now in my faith, looking forward to that time when Tim walks to the mail. Diane will be doing, she'll take the jump rope and go all the way down the driveway with them. It's going to be, it's going to be so good. Now, that goes into this last principle that you've got to get, the hardness of things in this life. Here we go. The resistance. We asked, how do I grow my faith? It is through exercise. I want you to think of a weightlifter. What does the weightlifter do to become stronger? Put another weight on that barbell, right? It's the, it's the principle of resistance. When, we, when something becomes heavier and we push against it and we resist it, that is what builds us physically and spiritually. So when I exercise the qualities of God, Against the resistance, it causes me to grow stronger. They're available. We get to take from his divine nature. When I use what is from God, against the resistance, my faith becomes stronger. I take on the shine of Christ instead of the sweat of caffeine. So when it's hardest to love, Get this now. When it's hardest to love, you love regardless. It's the resistance, and your love grows stronger. It is a Christ-like love that has nothing to do with that rotten person. You know what? Pastor preached on um, Ezekiel the other week. Ezekiel who had like a 40-year ministry of nothing but Rejection and pain and hardship and denial and torture. Ezekiel did nothing but faithfully preach the word of God in his own people. Wouldn't associate with, wouldn't be his friend. And then it gets even worse. They, they put him in prison, and prison's back in Ezekiel's time. And you know what? Ezekiel cried for those people that hurt him. And I remember sitting there in the pew. I cry in prayer for the people I love. Lift them up. I said, Lord, I don't have that kind of compassion. I don't cry for the people that hate me and hate my family. I don't have that kind of compassion. And yet that is your compassion. God, work in my heart. Work in my cold Prideful heart, I need a better compassion. Help me to love those that don't love me in a better way. Grow my faith. When your circumstances are not conducive to joy, but you rejoice anyways, you you rejoice anyways. It's the resistant factor. When it's hardest to do right, but you do what is right anyways, it means losing friends, it means walking alone often, but you do right anyways. When it's hardest to be holy, but you turn away or turn off what is not holy. When you feel like giving up, but you keep on going. When all seems dark, but you on purpose shine with a smile and says God, and say, God is good. My hope is in Jesus. He will never leave me nor forsake me. That is when, girls, we grow stronger. That's when we have a faith that becomes effective and shows in a dark world. It's going to be good. It's going to be so good. The question is don't resist, or the statement is don't resist the resistance. Don't resist it. It's going to make me grow. Give thanks for it, knowing it is good for me. Learn to practice it is good with all the good things, with all the chocolate-covered orange peels. Learn to practice out loud it's good for me with all the green bean responsibilities and burdens that we carry every day life. But, oh, so learn to give thanks for the resistance for those moments in which... God plainly spells it, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that abuse you and despise you and use you. And when you do, your faith will grow as you never, ever have seen it grow before. We've entered the season of Thanksgiving. It's November tomorrow. It, of course, is, oh, I had a verse I wanted to share with you. Curse the clock. I'll I'll hit it next week, Lord willing, because it's sowing in your heart. It's sowing. It's planting in your heart. God does the growing. God does the producing. We do the sowing of it. Um, As we enter the season of Thanksgiving, learn to sow. It is good. It is so good. It is so good for me, and it's going to be so good. If I don't sow that in my mouth and in my heart, by the way, the tongue is simply, you know, the extension of the heart. Out of the heart, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So when I sow God's truth, it is good. It stops what naturally grows. What, is, what grows naturally? Yeah, complaining, ingratitude, griping. Retelling the offense for the hundredth time. (laughs) Hearing it over, saying it over, posting it over. And all that that births is bitterness and doubt toward a good God. I don't know what resistant thing is in your life today. I don't know what hard thing God has allowed or God has placed in your life. But I do know this. I do know that God is with you and he wants to work with you in it to make your faith grow and to make you stronger, to make your faith an effective faith. Wow, back in Bible times, they turned the world upside down because of an effective faith. What has America done with our faith, girls? Nothing. It's time to live that effective faith. Convicting true story about a living faith. We'll close with this. To go there, this lady named Rebecca, to go to her home, this is what we'd have to do we'd have to pack a big suitcase, take multiple flights, and then the fifth flight would be a single-engine plane flown by a bush pilot over herds of wild animals. And then we'll switch to a Land Rover. And make sure you put your seat belt on, because the potholes are the size of Rhode Island. (laughs) We are now in the country of East Africa. We'd be introduced to Rebecca. She has six children in her care. Three are hers, and three belong to her daughter, who is buried behind Rebecca's hut, a victim of AIDS. She is buried next to her sister, who died from AIDS the year before. Rebecca's husband deserted his family, so the full responsibility rests on her shoulders. Her mud hut is empty except for the unvented fire pit, sticks, a few thin throw rugs, and a couple of blankets, and some hollowed gourds. From all I saw and heard, Rebecca's life had been severe, and her losses were continuing as she just received word that her youngest grandchild, who is three years old, has AIDS and tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. Rebecca deserves a pity party, and I would volunteer to throw it for her, but I didn't see a trace of self-pity from Rebecca. Instead, she didn't so much as release a note of wine. In fact, she exuded joy. And if you've never seen the North Star's brilliance on a cloudless night, you would experience it on Rebecca's face every time she spoke the name Jesus. The blankets hanging on her wall were her most prized possession. We asked Rebecca, he was on a missions trip, what we could do for her, and she said, oh, I need nothing. I will pray for you. Don't miss what she said. She said, I need nothing. I will pray for you. That's what it means to leave a legacy for one's children and grandchildren. Demonstrating your faith in the midst of hardship, they will remember your sterling example during their hardships. When times are hard. It's human nature to search our minds for what others have done to survive. Rebecca's children and grandchildren have a heritage because of her demonstrated faith. This author goes on to say, I need Rebecca's prayers the next time I think my life is hard, the next time I feel inconvenienced, the next time I grumble about my cozy home, my well-stocked pantry, my king-size bed, my busy schedule, my doctor's full waiting room, my broken nail. It's convicting, isn't it? I don't know the resistance you deal with right now. I do know that God is with you. You don't know the resistance I'm dealing with right now. But you know God is with me and I am thoroughly excited about having an effective faith that tells my world I love my God. He's a good God. And God has a plan for this resistance. It's going to make me more like him. It's going to make my faith grow. Mm -hmm. And prayerfully, prayerfully, It will do some change in our America. Father, may may we as a class just embrace your goodness. May we proclaim it all day long. God, forgive us for our natural emptiness. The fact that you live with us. You inhabit the worst place of your creation. And yet, Lord, you love us. And you keep knocking every day. Father, may we hear that. May our feet touch the floor and we get in touch with you. And may we faithfully walk with you throughout this day. May we get excited about the fact that we are so daily loaded with your benefits. It's it's good. Lord, it's so good. And Lord, for the things that we don't understand or things we don't know about, it's going to be so good. And Lord, for the things that are hard, Father, I thank you for the resistance and for the energy and the faith that you will increase as I stand for you and live my faith. May we get excited about that, Father, in thy precious name. Amen. Now tell the lady next to you it's going to be so good. Tell her.